What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. And yes, we are. We're coming to you live tonight with much gratitude to Dave Nielsen and his friends at TalkShoe. I want to welcome everyone listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. You have tuned in to National Seizure Disorders Foundation's weekly recorded podcast, Power Radio. We put the power in your week. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we invite you to join us right here on TalkShoe as we bring order to seizure disorders by discussing a variety of topics related to living with seizures in a mature manner. We are not medical professionals. We are just a compassionate crowd of experienced seizure survivors and caregivers. So, hey, you're invited to call in and contribute to the conversation tonight and every Wednesday night. Just go ahead and dial 724-444-7444. And remember, use that show ID 135359. When you find value in our show, which I'm sure you will, go ahead and follow us on TalkShoe. Again, that show number to follow is 135359. I want you to know that Power Radio is not an hour of fear or blame or drama. This is an hour of awareness, support, and rising above our diagnosis. So when you're ready for support and enlightenment while living with seizures or while caring for someone living with seizures, I want you to know that Power Radio is just one of the many resources offered by National Seizure Disorders Foundation to guide through life in the direction of positive seizure management, peace, and joy. Yes, you can have peace and joy while living with seizures, and I am a living example, as are many here at National Seizure Disorders Foundation. So come on with us. Discover more about National Seizure Disorders Foundation, the services and resources we have for you at our website, nsdf.org. U.S. Oh, and uh, so just you know, um, our brilliant producer, Susan, has muted everyone during the show. This is to give everyone listening today, tomorrow, and into the future the best possibility of hearing every powerful word spoken throughout the show. So stick around if you have questions, comments, or want to share an experience from your life, and Susan will be opening the lines for questions in just a few moments. Hey, listen, if you have a short and powerful success story regarding your seizures, I want to hear it. So go ahead and speak up. Tonight, I want to share some gratitude for our NSDF staff. I'll go ahead and mention them by name. Maybe you've seen them on Facebook or Google+. Maybe you know them right here on Power Radio. 
That staff would be David, our Vice President, Denise, our Treasurer, Katie, our Secretary, Jason, our Director of Ambassador Development, Lisa, our Program Manager for Pause for Seizures, and Susan, our Producer for Power Radio. I realize I've been really lax on giving them the love and gratitude they each deserve on a daily basis for doing so much for National Seizure Disorders Foundation and for me personally. So I wanted to make a point and share my gratitude publicly tonight for all of them. So hey, good news, it's open forum night tonight. So anyone with questions or comments for National Seizure Disorders Foundation, for me, or about seizures, please do speak up. Let us know where you're calling from and uh, be courageous. Share your first name so that we can connect with you. And so now I'm going to ask um, Susan if we have any callers on the line. If we do, please, again, speak up with your first name and the state from which you're calling. If you're in our chat room, please let us know who you are and where you're from. As you post, our producer, Susan, Will let us know. We have Mylene Steiner in the chat room and Lisa, and then we have Jason on the line. Wonderful, wonderful. So I see the room is filling up wonderfully. So does anyone have any questions, comments, or stories? Anyone want to speak up? Come on, Jason. <laughs> Okay, um, it's Jason from Pennsylvania. Um, normally, um, when a when a survivor has an EEG done, typically, um, if they do not uh, have any seizure activity and they have a um, normal EEG. Um, the doctor telling, "Well, everything's normal. Everything's all right." Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor will say, "Well, you know, you don't have a problem." That's not necessarily true. It just means that you didn't have a problem at the time of the EEG. True. That's true. Yes, I've talked to many, many that um, come across the same issue. And what I tell them all is the first thing they need to do is go to their doctor and request a two to seven day video EEG at their locus, at their local epilepsy monitoring unit. And you know, if that's a class four epilepsy monitoring unit, they have the latest and greatest in um, recording um, equipment. Many epilepsy monitoring units uh, don't have updated equipment, and sometimes they will miss epileptic seizures because the, um, oh, what are they called? The little probes that they put on your head. Electrodes. Yeah, sometimes sometimes the seizures 
the foci, which is which is where the seizure begins in the brain. Sometimes it's so deep that um, that those being attached to the scalp really can't pick it up. So I suggest that um, everyone that has had an EEG done, especially those where the doctor says, well, nothing showed up, or when he says, oh, it's just a non-epileptic seizure or uh, a pseudo-seizure or a not-real seizure, I suggest that they all talk to their doctors about um, getting that video EEG at an EMU unit near them. Um, if your doctor is very resistant to the idea, you know, some doctors can be because doctors are human too. Sometimes they have ego-filled days. Um, what I suggest is that you talk it over with your insurance company and see about getting a second opinion. When you get a second opinion, ask the doctor what experience they have with seizures, uh, what experience they have with treating seizures, with um, managing seizures. And, and by, by experience, what I mean is um, how many years? How many years in practice do they have? How many years in knowledge do they have? That'll let you know if you've got the doctor for you. And then ask your second opinion doctor. Ask them if um, they will let you go for this video EEG. And then when you go into the video EEG, if you know certain things will cause a seizure in you, and if, it, if you're able to, go ahead and bring those things. For instance, a trigger for some could be um, staring at the, uh, at the computer screen you know, or, or being on the computer too long, something of that nature. Um, go ahead and ask them if you can bring a, uh, a tablet or a computer laptop or even your cell phone. You know, those screens can act the same. Um, if, you're tr if you know that your seizure triggers are triggered by a specific person in which um, could be the case with non-epileptic seizures, you know, because a lot of those do start with trauma and stress and, and are triggered by stress. If you know that a specific person is your trigger, um, then it might be a good idea to discuss with your doctor if you can have that person present during at least an hour of the testing just to see what happens. And then also discuss with your doctor before you go in, while you're preparing, discuss if they will be taking you off any medications or if they will be administering any medications during the study. You know, it depends case by case. If you've been on seizure medications for some time, they may safely wean you off just to, um, to try to get a uh, seizure to trigger. And then after you go for this study and find that the results still are coming back as non-epileptic or if they really can't see any activity, but yet your body is demonstrating, say, a tonic-clonic or better known as grand mal seizure activity, uh, just know that even though they're not registering in the brain on this test, 
And even though the doctors may say they're not real or uh, pseudo-seizures, just know that they're still doing the same thing to your body as an epileptic seizure. So they still need control. And, and how do you do What do you do? You know, uh, your doctor's telling you they're fake or not real or pseudo-seizures. Uh, you've been through this two to seven day uh, video EEG. You've had all the blood tests. And you've had other EEGs. And you've had other tests, such as a CAT scan and a PET scan and an MRI and an MRA to make sure that everything's healthy up there in your brain. Um, well, what do you do? If, it's, if you've gone through everything and your seizures are still occurring in your body, then the next step would be to check into a neuropsychologist or neuropsychiatrist near you. And National Seizure Disorders Foundation can help you with that. All you have to do is get in touch with us. Go ahead, leave a comment on our website at nsdf.us or through our Facebook page at facebook.com, nsdf37029. Leave us a comment. Let us know that you need some help. And I or one of my trusted staff will be uh, at your aid as soon as we can. I promise when you reach out, we do reach back. And so, you know, that's just one of the things that you can do when your doctor says, oh, they're not real. You know, you can always, you have the power of choice. You have the power of choice whether you believe it or not. You can always choose to get a second opinion. You know, if you're worried about the money, uh, then do. Check in with your insurance. Go that uh, go the better route. Follow your insurance instruction in getting a second opinion. Follow your insurance instruction in getting a video EEG or special testing. And, uh, you know, do what's better for you. Do what feels good. Doesn't it feel better to think about getting a second opinion instead of just settling for, well, there's no answer? Or, well, it's just you're, you're making it up. Or, well, it's not real. Wouldn't it feel better to go out and get a second opinion? Many people. Hey. Go ahead. Yeah, Tanya, um, I just had Lisa said that it took her three times to find someone who just who seemed just to know what's going on with her. Um, yes. The first doctor that she went to, turned out not to be a seizure doctor at all. She was a nerve specialist. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes more than one time. I mean, my daughter's going through it, and um, she hasn't had a diagnosis yet. She went through the EEG or whatever, those electrodes on the head, and they didn't find anything. Uh -huh. but, um, but they put her on seizure medication for right now, and it, it helps. So it's helping her right now. So I know there's something more mm -hmm. than just what the doctors are saying. Mm -hmm. Well, I do, I do encourage you to uh, check, check with her doctor and get her to uh, go in for a video EEG where she stays 
uh, anywhere from two to seven days in a hospital setting with a video monitor on her and with those sticky things all over her head because the doctors have a better chance of picking up seizure activity um, in a controlled setting like that when she stays for a prolonged period rather than or as opposed to uh, just getting an EEG for 30 minutes in the doctor's office. You see, so I do encourage you to do that. Now, if she's already been through a, vid a video EEG and the doctors are, you know, still not uh, diagnosing her or, or they really don't know what to do, perhaps you need to ask the doctor, what's your history on seizures? You know, how, how much medical training specifically on seizures, specifically on epilepsy, have you had? What is your, um, what is your hours spent treating those with seizures? Because that will tell you if the doctor that she's seeing knows the right tests and knows how to read the tests correctly. You see, that was my issue uh, for 10 years. In the beginning, um, when I was having seizures, I was having over 500 a month, for those of you that don't know my, my story. Um, and doctors across the country, I, I had seen neurologists in um, several places in uh, Tennessee, and I'd seen a neurologist in California. So I had neurologists literally across the country telling me it's just stress and constipation. They wouldn't say it was epileptic seizures or non-epileptic seizures. They just said, don't worry about it. It's just stress and constipation. Here's some extra fiber. Change your diet, and here's some Valium. You'll be fine. And at the time, I was having over 500 seizures a month. Well, 10 years after my first seizure, I met up with um, an epileptologist, which is a specialist in epilepsy a neurologist that specializes in epilepsy. And that epileptologist was able to lead me through the correct testing and was able to read the tests correctly to discover that I have a rare brain abnormality that was causing the seizures. And then the rest, as they say, is history. And now, uh, what tests did I go through? Well, I went through the average EEGs. I went through the video EEGs. In fact, I went through about three of those. And I went through PET scans and CAT scans and MRIs and MRAs. You know, was it, was it a lot of work? You know, was it a lot of work for me? Of course it was. Was it a lot of time? Yes, it was. And yes, I had to develop patience because nothing happens overnight, nothing good. And, you know, my diagnosis even though there is no hope for a cure for my diagnosis, um, it was a good diagnosis because I know that when, when I had that diagnosis, I knew it was, uh, what it was what it should have been. I knew what I was experiencing was more than constipation and seizures. And it was all because I got bold and I decided to get a second or third, or fourth, or fifth, or seventh opinion. You know, I stuck to it, and that's what I encourage everyone out there today, tomorrow, and into the future. If you're having trouble with your present doctor, you know, set emotion aside. You are priority. Your health is priority. 
your well-being is priority. Continue to get those opinions until you know that you know that you found the right doctor. Because the diagnosis, even though it might not be pleasant, it makes sense. And if you're having trouble with your diagnosis that makes sense, if you're having trouble accepting it, you know, if you find that you're in denial, or if you know someone in denial, I want you to reach out to National Seizure Disorders Foundation because we have people that can help you through the denial. We have people that can help the caregivers deal with denial. When you reach out to National Seizure Disorders Foundation, we'll reach back with those resources. We'll get you connected with the right people so that you can have some peace in your life again, so that you can have some joy in your life again, so that you can be on the right road to positive seizure management, which always begins with a correct diagnosis and acceptance. How do you get acceptance? You work through the denial. So do we have anyone else that wants to speak up? The only thing we have right now is um, Mylene had asked if let me see if I can get this right. Um, carbamazepine. The, yes. Can carbamazepine give you the side effect of strange dreams? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. What I suggest is, first of all, you, um, you journal your dreams. You write those nights. Uh, you, you don't have to get in detail with the dreams but you just write down strange dream on, uh, on the calendar on your, in your seizure journal on that night that you have strange dreams. Now, if you're just in the beginning phases, if you're in the first month of taking this medication, then it could be a temporary side effect. If you've been taking it for a while and the strange dreams just started to happen, it could have nothing to do with the medication. It could have, it could have to do directly with your seizures. So I want you to journal it. And when you see a pattern there, when you see that these strange dreams are lasting, they're reoccurring, you know, it's more than just one or two nights, it's really becoming an issue, then uh, do call your doctor's attention to these strange dreams and look at your daily life. Are you under any um, new stress, any, un you know, any stress other than what you've been going through, any stress other than your seizures. Um, if you have someone in the home with you, uh, ask them, what am I doing in my sleep? Is my breathing pattern changing? Um, am, I, am I restless in my sleep? You know, perhaps um, you're having, be having seizures in your sleep and not know it. Because when you wake up, you don't feel like that postictal seizure type of feeling, the soreness that a lot of us get after seizures. Um, sometimes that does happen when we have seizures uh, in our sleep. We wake up feeling um, normal, I guess you would say, you know, feeling as if we didn't have any seizures in our sleep. But many times um, the different dreams, whether they be scary or bizarre or um, things of that nature, 
many times it will have something to do with a sudden onset stress in your life or a seizure, a, a change of frequency or severity of seizures. If the medication is new, it could have to do with the medication. Um, like I said, if you've been taking the medication for only a week or two, just keep an eye on the dreams. Know that this could be temporary and give it a month. Give it a month and then, and then check in with your doctor and let him know, let him or her know how things are going. Um, something that you want to do also is if you take your medication right before bedtime or an hour before bedtime, you may want to talk to your doctor about um, slowly changing your medication times. If you take medication uh, twice a day or more than twice a day, you may want to adjust the time to where you're taking medication a few hours before bedtime. That way, if, um, if the average side effects that happen with AEDs, anti-epileptic drugs, if the average side effects are occurring in your sleep and that's what the dream is all about, those average side effects can occur while you're awake and you'll be comfortable at home because it will be, you know, a few hours before bed. You'll be comfortable at home. You'll live through uh, the effects and then you'll be able to go to bed and rest from the effects. So I hope that uh, sheds some light on on the question that you bring to us tonight, Mylene. So Jason, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, it sounds like you were just talking about Eglitol. I believe I, I believe it was. I believe it was um, the generic form. Yeah. Well, I've been on Tegretol for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when I first started taking Tegretol, it had a uh, effect on me similar to that. Um, what we did was adjust adjusted the time, as you said, and and that that adjustment did help, but the thing that I was dealing with also was they started me on too high of a dose, and mm-hmm. I was seeing two of everything. Wow. Yeah, so just be forewarned, your body can only take so much of that, and that is another side effect of Paul slash carbon rejecting. And uh, that is one thing you want to look out for because the first day or two that I was on it, I ended up falling down a flight of steps because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, uh-uh, cut me back on this. This is not going to keep happening. Very good, very good. And if you're out there listening today, tomorrow, and into the future, and you are on an anti-epileptic medication or or an AED, same thing, um, I want you to be aware that you have the power. You have the power to ask your doctors to go ahead and run a blood level 
on the medication that you're currently taking because um, it's always wise when you feel that there's something just not right and you've started a new medication, it's always wise to get that level uh, before the side effects get so bad that you just can't handle it. You know, um, I know that many times, in fact, my daughter went through this with one medication. I can't remember. I think it was the Tegretol. Um, she would, for some unknown reason, unknown to us at that time, uh, it's almost like she would go into a comatose state. You know, she would she would take the medicine and um, as directed. And what we found through testing, through getting just the regular blood test of her levels, uh, it was it was too high. Her body was not processing the medication, so therefore, um, it was building up in her system and um, overloading her nervous system, causing the comatose type state, and um, and it was also not helping the seizures because the medicine wasn't getting processed where it needed to go to. So um, so that's a serious thing, you know. If you're starting a new medication, anytime uh, between two and six weeks of starting the new medication, if your doctor doesn't mention getting a blood test uh, for the levels, then go ahead, be powerful, step step up and be bold, and ask your doctor to run the levels. If you've been on the same um, amount of the same medication for quite some time, uh, for over six months, over a year, uh, and you see um, that there's been really no change, then go ahead and ask your doctor to run those levels again. It's it's your responsibility to uh, be aware of these things, take care of your health, and uh, and know know whether those levels are too high or too low. Go ahead and ask the doctor to see the results. Some doctors think, well, if you don't have that medical degree, you won't understand the results. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if you understand them or not. What's important is you um, see the results because that makes those results real to you. And copy down the numbers or bring home a copy of the doctor's notes and then research those numbers. See for yourself if those numbers are high or low. And again, if you need help in doing this, National Seizure Disorders Foundation will be there to help you. All you have to do is reach out to us. Also, another thing um, with AEDs, it doesn't matter what kind of AED you're on. Um, also, the thing you want to do is also request your vitamin levels. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. For, for those of you that don't know, um, AEDs can take some of the vitamins and minerals out of your bloodstream, out of your bones, and um, and therefore, you know, cause more health problems. Uh, sometimes just the stress, just the stress of having a seizure disorder can lower your vitamin and mineral levels. So it is wise at least every six months 
to get those levels checked, you know, and something like that. You can even go to your um, to your regular doctor, your general practitioner, your family doctor, and have him or her check those levels and talk to them. Let them know why it's important to you. Let them know that um, you're on medications that can take these out of your bloodstream and you want to be proactive. You want to be um, on top of the, uh, you know, on top of what, what they're doing with your health. You want to be aware because it's all about awareness. It's all about awareness and it's all about you knowing that you have the power. You have the power of choice and you have the power to speak up. And, you know, um, many times I've come across people that say, well, yeah, I've tried to speak up or I've thought about speaking up, but I just, I feel so, well, some of them have used the word stupid when talking to doctors. Well, you know, when it comes to your own medical treatment, when it comes to your own health, you have to decide, do you want to continue feeling stupid or do you want to be bold? Step through that fear, step into courage, exercise your power, and ask those important questions. Let the doctors know that you want the right test to be done, whether it be a blood draw for levels um, or whether it be a uh, video EEG or an MRI or an MRA or PET scan or CT. Let them know that you're ready to step up and be a responsible adult, responsible for your own health and your own treatment. No, you may not have all the answers, but you do have the power. I want you to know that. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, I want you to know that you do have the power. Now, for those of you out there that are saying, who, me, little old me, do I have power? If you can't, your power, if you can't feel your power, if you don't know your power, if you don't see it there inside of you, then I want you to, again, get in touch with National Seizure Disorders Foundation. We have programs that will help you rediscover your power. It is within you. It's just hidden in the moment. A lot of time, fear and stress and anxiety will cover over that power. We will help you rediscover that power so that you can be more than a seizure disorder, so that you can be more than whatever your diagnosis is, so that you in your own life can bring order to seizure disorders. So with that being said, uh, do we have anyone else on the line? Hey, Tanya, we have uh, Denise Tarr that just joined us. Oh, good, good, Denise. It's so good to hear from you. She's she's on chat. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right. All right, well, that's wonderful. Hey, Denise, it's good to have you. Um, listen, do you have any questions or anything that you want to share with the listeners? What she said was she she gets anxiety every time she feels a seizure coming on, and it's really hard to relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, I would suggest you do, now 
for it's it's different for everyone. Um, if you have any time where you are between the anxiety and the actual seizure, if you have the time to be aware that you are in control, then I want you to just practice. Practice your breathing. You know, pay attention. Am I breathing? Am I breathing? You can even think to yourself, breathe in, breathe out. Pay attention to that breathing. That is most important. That will help you relax. And then if um, if you have the time and if you have the memory, of course, this is all like a muscle. That it, it all, um, it has to be exercised. You know, if you have the time and energy between the anxiety and the seizure, I want you to think of something that soothes you. Even if you have to make it up, think, think of something happy. Think of something absolutely ridiculous. Think of something that will help you feel better. Now, will it stop a seizure? <clears throat> will it stop a seizure? I don't know, but it might. And it's free advice, and it's uh, easy to do. It does take practice, but it's easy to do, and it's harmless to your body to just breathe and think on good things think on happy things. And who knows? That might be the magic key for you to not only handle the anxiety, you know, manage that anxiety, but also walk one step further down your road to positive seizure management. Also, I want you to pay attention to the anxiety. And if the anxiety becomes a pattern, for instance, if after, or if before, rather, if before every seizure or every certain type of seizure that you have, you feel this anxiety, it could be that the anxiety is the trigger of the seizure. And therefore, to better control the seizure, you would have to really look into the anxiety. What is the anxiety? What's the trigger for the anxiety? What's the core of the anxiety? And perhaps even schedule some time with a neuropsychologist and just uh, talk to a neuropsychologist, get to the root of the anxiety. Because if the anxiety is triggering the seizure, it only makes sense to me that when your anxiety eases, that the seizure will ease also. That's just something to think about. And um, if you don't want to, or don't have access to a neuropsychologist or neuropsychiatrist, um, then I invite you to become more active with our support group, more active with our programs like um, Tools of Letting Go Mastermind and Empower You. And just those simple acts, you know, we're not, uh, we're not doctors. We're not medical professionals, but just the simple acts of becoming more and more involved, proactive in your own health will ease your anxiety. And if you find that the anxiety is a seizure trigger, another reason to talk to your doctor about it 
is because the anxiety itself may be um, a result of a specific hormone in your body. And if that is, if that's the, um, if that's the case, then perhaps your doctor will want to look at it from a medical standpoint and perhaps start you on medication that makes sense for you and your body and see how that goes. So I hope, Denise, I hope that addressed your, um, your question, your issue properly. So I see that we're at uh, 20 minutes till the top of the hour. Wow, this has been a good show, guys, you know. Um, I hope that I have touched on a lot of subjects that are on your minds. And um, I want to go ahead and share with you something that's been on my mind lately. You know, when, when we think of epilepsy, when we think of seizure disorders, we think of, um, we think of the brain. We think of misfiring neurons. We think of the nervous system. But have you ever thought about um, things like genetics, chromosomes? You know, those people that are born with uh, extra chromosomes, let's just take that for an example. Those that are born with extra chromosomes or a chromosome deletion or a chromosome defect, you know, they too are susceptible to seizures. And if you or someone you know, listening today, tomorrow, and into the future, if you're one of those people and um, you've been kind of hesitant to come to the National Seizure Disorders Foundation because you haven't really been diagnosed with a seizure disorder, I want you to know our doors are open to you. If you, listening tonight, tomorrow, today, tomorrow, and into the future, if you experience two or more seizures of any type, no matter what the cause, if there is a diagnosis found for you, then I want you to know that you're welcome here. We will find, um, we will find a place for you. We will help you find the support that you need, the resources you need, and, uh, and, and we will even work with you to find the doctor that would be right for you. I have uh, recently, over the last week, I've come in contact with uh, quite a few that have chromosomal issues. I might not be saying that word right, but um, genetic issues. And they were quite surprised, you know, uh, when, when I would bring up seizures. They would say, oh, well, we don't have a seizure disorder. You know, my son doesn't have a seizure disorder. I don't have a seizure disorder. We have this genetic issue, this chromosomal issue. And, um, and I would point out to them quickly that that is what's called a comorbid issue. They were, first and foremost, they have the genetic chromosomal issue. The, co the comorbidity comes in when they're also living with seizure disorder or another health issue. And um, recent statistics show 
that a person that is living with a genetic chromosome defect, uh, chromosome um, disorder, let's say, and seizures, I mean, I'm sorry, and um, other disorders, for instance, uh, many that live with this chromosomal issue, they have learning disabilities. When they have that dual disability, uh, they are 40% at risk for having seizure disorder. So I want you to keep that in mind, those of you listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. If you or your son or your daughter have been diagnosed with an issue with your chromosomes, an, a genetic issue with chromosomes, um, and you're having this weird activity in your body that you're really not sure of, or perhaps maybe you realize you're missing time during the day. You just, um, you know, it's almost like an amnesia type feeling. I want you to bring that to the attention of your doctor because you could be experiencing seizures. And I want you to go through the right testing and then come to the right group for your support, and that would be National Seizure Disorders Foundation, the foundation that will love you and accept you no matter what your diagnosis, and that will lead you, that will walk with you down the path to positive seizure management. Do we, do we have anyone else on chat or anyone else um, that has called in? Um, we don't have anybody else that called in, and okay. um, uh, just on chat, they're talking about different medications and how it affects them and everything. So mm -hmm. they they love you, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I can, I can feel their love. I can feel their love. Um, you know, and. I want to bring up something, too. You know, we were talking about um, strange dreams and medications. I want to bring up a personal experience of my own. When I began uh, taking Keppra, it was in the, um, the brand name form. It wasn't in the generic form. It was in the brand name form. And I was taking it right before bed. I mean, literally minutes before bed. And I would experience these um, these horrible dreams. They weren't very scary, but, but I remember they were full of a lot of anger. And what that turned out to be was a um, side effect from the Keppra that is now known as Keprage. Many people experience it while they're awake. I just happened to be experiencing it at that time in my sleep because I had taken my only dose at that time right before bed. Now, when we discovered that, um, the doctors had me start to take the dose when I wake up. And um, then the Keprage started manifesting during my waking hours. And I tell you, it, it was shocking to me. I literally became a different person. You know, I wanted to um, leave my family. I wanted to 
physically hit people. You know, that that's how crazy Kemp Rage can get. Of course, I never actually did those things, but, but it was that wanting to. It was that feeling that, that really alarmed me. Um, I talked it over with my doctor, and he added vitamin B6. He told me to take vitamin B6 by itself, not mixed in with a B complex, but by itself, 30 minutes before taking my first day's dosage of Keppra. And uh, from the first day I did that, I've been a different person. I've been a better person. I no longer have Keprage. And it's all because my body needed that vitamin B6 to balance out that side effect. So keep that in mind. If you're new to Keppra, um, whether it be brand name or generic, and or, or maybe your loved one is new to Keppra, and you notice that um, there are different feelings, feelings that make you a different person, make your loved one a different person. You seem to be angry or um, or not talking. You know, you seem to be wanting to keep to yourself or, or not really be uh, active with other people. Uh, do consider the fact that it could be Keprage and talk to your doctor about it and bring B6 to your doctor's um, attention. And then as your doctor agrees on the right milligrams for you, which in my case is 100 milligrams, uh, when your doctor agrees on the right dosage for you, go ahead and take the vitamin B6 separate from everything else 30 minutes before that first dosage of Keppra and see that it helps you. You'll know right away if it's going to help you or not. It helps some people. It doesn't help some people. You know, it just depends on the individual. And it's, vit it's a vitamin, so it's not going to hurt you, especially if you're taking it just once a day. Some of us just need that. So I just wanted to uh, let you all know that, let you know a little bit of a personal history of uh, my own seizure journey, my own uh, medication journey. And that being said, I want to um, let you know that I've had a really good time tonight. I've had a good time addressing your issues and answering your questions, and I look forward to many, many more open forums in the, uh, in the future. I invite you all listening today, tomorrow, and into the future back every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on TalkSheet. So there you have it, folks. Tonight we have increased our awareness and we shared an hour of power. I invite you all to follow us at Facebook, facebook.com slash NSDF37029 for updates, information, and inspiration. And also, enjoy tonight's recording on our website at nsdf.us during the week. We have a talk show power radio button. Just go ahead on the website and press play and listen away. And next week, 
Join us again. Invite your friends and family and your other connections as together we enjoy another episode of NSDF Power Radio. Oh, and please do take notice. We have a Monday night hour of support through Google Hangouts. Yeah, that's Google+. Plus. It's, a, it's an hour of video support, and you're invited. If you live with seizures, if you're a caregiver or a seizure survivor, and you're looking for answers, you're looking for that face-to-face -face support, I invite you to enter Power Hour through Google Hangouts. Go ahead and watch for the events. I'm sure Jason will be posting them throughout the week over on Facebook and Google Plus for all of you. As you connect with us over there on uh, Google Plus, we'll get you going on the growing list of our favorite people to hang out with on Monday nights. I want to take a moment to share deepest gratitude for our loyal listeners, our staff, our many supporters and partners. And as you pray this week, as you pray in your own way, I want you to keep the following names in your thoughts. They're important. They're important to me. They're important to NSDF. They will be important to your future. Those names are John, Kristen, Tinley, Malisha, Jennifer, Eli, Bryn, Brett, Natasha, and Janine. These are just a few of the names NSDF holds close to our heart while healing and peace take place. If you want to be added to our prayer list, simply leave a comment on our website, nsdf.us. Go ahead and leave that comment anywhere on any one of our um, posts, and someone will pick up, one of our trusted staff will pick up your comment, and get in touch with you as soon as we possibly can. Remember, when you reach out, we reach back. So if you've enjoyed tonight's show and you wish to be a part of keeping us active, I want you to, again, connect with National Seizure Disorders Foundation in any way that is comfortable to you. And let us know that you're ready to give your time, your talent, and your treasure. One of our staff, maybe me, will be with you to discuss the pleasant details and offer you a memorable experience, creating a win solution all around. I want to thank you all for joining us tonight from the beautiful and warm state of Tennessee. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote speaking for all the NSDF and Power Radio guests and staff and listeners, wishing you, yeah, you, better health, better brain health, peace of mind, and the presence of abundant love. Why do I wish this for you? Because I can think of no better gift to give to my friends. Until next week, good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.